It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Monday. Welcome to your Monday edition of Locked On Raptors. Sean here with you as always. And on today's show, I am joined as always, as I am on Mondays by Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. And we are going to dig into the Raptors loss to the Denver Nuggets 110-109 with a Nikola Jokic block on OG Ananobi sealing the deal for the Nuggets. We're going to dig into our biggest takeaways from the game. We're going to talk about OG Ananobi's subpar performance but also the overall really strong process that we saw from the Raptors in this one plus Scotty Barnes does he come up with a due to the game segment we'll see maybe that was a spoiler I didn't mean to lay out there but hey I can't get it back in the can now so let's get to it today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Big V oh like because when I shot I expected to make it so like I don't shoot kind of miss you are Locked On Raptors part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1118 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Monday, February the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day out there, pals. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can go subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. Plus, you can go to YouTube and join the over 1,600 satisfied customers who have subscribed to the YouTube page. Please go ahead and do that. It's very much appreciated as it is appreciated so that you're making this your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we have a very narrow loss to the Denver Nuggets to talk about where lots of interesting things happened, but really it was mostly just a game where two good teams played one another with two superstar players just laying haymakers, and it was an absolute blast to watch, and I am joined today by Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. It is V-Day technically today but every monday is v-day here on locked on raptors how's it going pal it's going well happy valentine's day to everyone uh out there and you know you look at the raptors there's a lot to love and oh baby you're a professional we love to see it uh Let's dive into this game, shall we? We will get into some thoughts on, I think, OG Ananobi's game in this one and where it kind of let the Raptors down. We're going to give up the due to the game at the end of the show, but we should dive into our biggest takeaways. Big V, take it away. What was your biggest takeaway from the Raptors? Lost their first loss in nine games on Saturday against those dastardly Nuggets. Yeah, I think watching the game, whenever this type of team is going to go up against a Jokic or an Embiid you, you're mm-hmm. trying to see how the Raptors would defend them and so early on it was OG on an OB and pretty much after a couple of dribbles you'd see the double uh, at least around the post uh, when Jokic was up top then you'd just try to you know 
pester him as much as possible and get the ball out of his <laughs> hands. But I, I thought Jokic was incredible and played bully ball really well. Uh, and I think I would have preferred to see a harder double, like right off the catch uh, yeah. in the post. And so I think <clears throat> that's part of what contributed to OG's foul trouble. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, and so I think uh, that was something that you probably look back on. Pascal Siakam talked after the game about how they kind of allowed Jokic to get in a rhythm uh, and that set the tone for the rest of the game where maybe they could have mm-hmm. had a bit more separation, a bit more cushion to close it out. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know how you come at those guys right off the top is really important and the Raptors probably weren't as successful as they needed to be. Yeah, and it's so difficult with Jokic, right? Because like, if you start sending it early, he's probably going to adapt to that too, right? And then start just throwing those passes out a little early, and then you're you're stuck in your rotation all over again. He's very good at basketball, as it turns out. And I know, you know, whenever the Raptors play one of these hulking centers, which there's like two or three of in the entire NBA, you know, the referendum on the the positional sort of you know ethos of the team and the lack of a center always kind of comes up. And and for me, like. I'm fine. No one's stopping Jokic or Embiid, man. Like, I don't, unless you have Marc Gasol on your team, I, I, I don't think you really stand that much of a chance. And so for me, I just feel like you got to take your losses with those guys and just do your best. And yeah, they probably could have at least sort of altered the timing of those doubles a little bit more, right? Like maybe it's not you send it early every time. Maybe you sort of delay it once in a while and you try to keep Jokic on his toes the way you have to do with any great offensive player. Like one look is not ever going to be enough. But I think that's a well-taken point that, you know, it's a, it was a little bit too nonchalant just sort of waiting for those doubles to come because if you give any extra processing time for Jokic to figure things out, he's going to absolutely destroy you as he did in this game. Although, honestly, you look at the final line for Jokic and he goes uh, 28 points, 15 boards, 6 assists, 10 of 16 from the field, and it feels like a quiet game for him almost. Like, that's how good he's (laughs) been this season. It's like, hey, we held him to, like, mostly under his season averages. Uh, What a bloody success this team has had. Um, But, yeah, he's just – he's a really, really excellent player who's difficult to handle – um, as it happens, though, the Raptors have one of those guys on their team as well in the form of Pascal Siakam. And, I, you know, my biggest takeaway from this game was mostly just one of awe and excitement. Yes, the Raptors lost, and that was a bummer, and we can dig into how that took place and some of the things that let them down. But I was just so, so blown away by Siakam's level of control in this game. I think you could argue that he was the best player on the floor in a game in which Nikola Jokic was also on the floor, which is insane he had 35 10 and 7 obviously Jokic was unbelievable as well but just like the efficiency 16 to 22 3 to 7 from downtown and just doing the thing that we've seen very regularly from Siakam lately where every time he has the ball in his hands a you feel like he's in control and he knows exactly where he's pulling the defense and what he's looking to do and b you know that he feels it right and like he, he just he knows that he's going to be able to find his own shot whatever or, or a shot for somebody else however it is that the defense is playing him there's going to be an avenue for him to come up with a look and it's just been a master class to watch him on display lately you know he's not going to win player of the week this week because DeMar DeRozan averaged like 9,000 points a game over the last week or so but he had a better week this past week than he did the week he won player of the week and it's just really really cool to see him 
going toe to toe with a guy as good as Jokic and feeling like he belongs in that conversation. I mean, we've kind of each week on this show considered like Siakam's you know spot in the hierarchy of the league. It feels like every week he's climbing like three, four spots in the power rankings. That's how good he's been. Like, just I mean, do you have any thoughts on the way Siakam played? I, you know, he's played like this. There's only so much you can say. He continues to play this way basically every time out. But this felt like a more sort of all-encompassing performance than we've even seen so far. Yeah, he was spectacular. I mean, to think that you had Pascal going back and forth with Jokic and, uh, you know, giving the Nuggets a, as good as the Jokic was giving the Raptors uh is pretty staggering and you know even late like there was there was the one clock he made uh, one shot he made with the shot clock winding down where mm -hmm. it's you know it's a long two it's you know under duress and he cans it no problem and it's like okay the guy is just absolutely on another planet right now I I don't think uh anyone has a chance against him in single coverage you saw that over and over in this game yeah uh, and whenever the doubles came whenever the triples came you, you saw him make the right read and make the pass and frankly i was surprised fred van vliet missed that shot at the end i know we mm -hmm. talk about og's uh put back getting rejected but once pascal made that pass i thought fred was going to knock it down and that would have been another perfect read so uh yeah, Pascal is balling out. You think about specifically this season in terms of playmaking forwards. There's Giannis, there's KD. Uh, you can you can put Jimmy Butler there, mm -hmm. and then and then Pascal's right there. He's been just unbelievable, man, and it's really really fun to watch him just kind LeBron, of. LeBron, that guy. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, he's fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me when he's got a, a record above twenty five and thirty one or whatever the hell it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just been such a delight. And just to keep a tracker going, I, on Friday I kind of ran through the the numbers for Siakam when it comes to his PER on the season. Again, a stat nobody cares about anymore, but it's worth tracking in the context of where this season for Siakam slots in among other Raptors great seasons uh he's now at a 25.5 PER on the season which is 0.3 points shy of Kawhi Leonard's franchise record and now ahead by half of a full point uh ahead of uh, oh yeah Vince Carter from 2000-2001 and Chris Bosh from 2009-2010 so the company is elite and it's just been an absolute treat to watch this guy, you know, kind of finish this full sort of circle transformation from, you know, what he was a couple of years ago. This really, really excellent player who made all NBA goes through these sort of doldrums of his career, and then comes out an even better and more all encompassing player on the other side. It's hard to think of a more satisfying player arc in recent years to watch. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we will continue on here. I do want to dig into the late game offense a little bit and talk about those final possessions where they got some good stuff, but people still seemed kind of mad. We are going to get to that in just one second here on the podcast. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. You got to check them out if you are looking for some sort of treat replacement. If you are looking to avoid those snacks late at night where you're going to be, you know, putting in three, four hundred calories into your guts because you just feel bored and you want to eat. Well, Built Bars are a great solution for that. I struggle with this a lot. I am a late night snacker, it is a bad, bad trait. I do it all the time, though. But Built Bars help me do a late night snack without feeling so, so bad about it. And that's because 
They contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in your average bar. Compare that to the candy bar or whatever else you're going to have that's going to have hundreds of calories, dozens of grams of sugar, and dozens of grams of net carbs. It's just not something you should be having at 1 a.m. You probably shouldn't be having anything at 1 a.m., but if you're going to, a Built Bar is the great way to go. They've got flavors for everybody, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. They've got white chocolate cookies and cream now. It's a limited-time flavor up on the site. They have those limited-time flavors all the time, so you got to check them out. It's Valentine's Day. They probably have some special treats up there today, so go to Built.com. And check them out. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on your first listen of the day here on Locked On Raptors with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. All right, Big V, let's dig into some of the reasons why the Raptors lost this game. Uh, of course, the big reason is that Nikola Jokic blocked the hell out of OG Ananobi on the final possession after he collected an offensive rebound on a missed Fred Van Vliet three. Um, I thought the late game process for the Raptors in this game was absolutely fantastic. It drew back to a conversation we had with Louis Zatzman a couple of weeks ago where we power ranked our favorite pick and roll combinations within the Raptors starting five. And the one that we both had number one in some order was Siakam Fred pick and roll as the number one option the Raptors can go with. And it seems the Raptors know that as well. They got the big Fred three late out of that action. And then they basically ran the same thing. Pascal with Fred screening for him in the, in the final possession of the game. Pascal sees two at the free throw line. He then kicks it over to Fred in the exact same spot and he misses the three. Um, this spawned a bit of conversation among the more, I, I guess, deranged reaches of Raptors fandom, which, hey, maybe that's something we shouldn't be entertaining here, but I do think it's interesting to talk about the, you know, the, the sort of hierarchy of the offense in late games. There was, a, oh, why didn't Pascal shoot it? Why did like, well, he got doubled. That's why he didn't shoot it. And he made the smart play because that's what he's doing right now. He's on like a eight week run of making the smart play every time, basically, um, and then you get Fred Van Vliet, like it's not a bad shot, a wide open Fred Van Vliet three. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty comfortable place to be if you are the Raptors. So, I mean, there, maybe there isn't even a conversation to have here. He made an excellent play. See, Fred missed it because you miss shots in basketball half the time or more. And that's just the way it works. And then Jokic made the play that the best player alive tends to make, which is block OG into oblivion to close the game. Where are you right now on the sort of late game offensive hierarchy? Like, do you feel like Gary Trent Jr. should be getting more action? I've seen it floating around like, oh, Gary Trent should be the number two option behind Pascal. It doesn't really work that way. Uh, And I think, you know, I have my own thoughts on this and how I sort of feel a hierarchy should work or shouldn't. But thoughts on the way that late game offense worked against the Nuggets. And, you know, are we even talking about this and as sort of a point of conversation if Fred hits a three, which he does 46% of the time when he catches and shoots? I think there's been like maybe certain moments over the course of, you know, the last month or so where, you know, Gary has been feeling it and maybe he hasn't 
uh, Goddard touch in a while. I think there was uh, – actually, I can't even remember now. But, you know, there was a game where he was really hot uh, and he was with the bench unit early fourth. Then he came out uh, and then he came in for the closing group and then he hadn't got a touch in a while. Uh, and that was a bit of a weird situation. Sorry, it's blanking on my mind which game that was. Um, That's okay. They played the same teams over the course of two weeks. It's uh, difficult to keep <laughs> all those games in order. They won them all, but basically. Uh, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. what matters. <laughs> but no, in terms of the hierarchy, absolutely for me, the number one option is the is Siakam Fred pick and roll. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's wor- working really well for them. Uh, you know, in terms of other options, because of, and I don't think it was really an option uh, against the Nuggets because uh, of how poorly uh, OG Ananobi played. But yeah. I think, you know, we saw a little bit in the bubble of uh, that Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi uh, screening action. And mm-hmm. you look at the way Fred Van Vliet has taken on the mantle, I think you could get a bit of those actions going as well. Um mm-hmm. Or, you know, depending on what the matchup is, you could get really funky and have Siakam and OG in it, right? Yeah. Uh, And so uh, I think those are some backup options. But to me, it's pretty clear the primary is uh, Pascal and Fred, and uh, you trust them to make the right decisions from whatever stems from it. So uh, I've got no issues with it. I mean, Fred makes that shot. No one's saying a word. So yeah, uh, I don't really see what the deal is. Yeah, it's not a big deal at all. And, uh, you know, I think the late game offense, you know, the, the, we go into the, the most recent example and then that's like, oh, let's raise our fist because I didn't score late. I mean, th- they've been really good in crunch time all season long. We've cited the numbers right now. They are currently 10th in crunch time net rating. They played 124 clutch minutes, which is number five in the NBA. And they have a plus 7.0 net rating, a 112.3 offensive rating, a 105.3 defensive rating. They've been really good in late game situations. It just happened that they lost to the Nuggets because the Nuggets have the best player on earth right now. And that happens sometimes. But like the process was there. And, you know, there's many outcomes where the Raptors win that game, and you're not talking about this. I also think it's actually a feature and not a bug that the Raptors have a bunch of guys who could, in theory, you know, take those late-game shots, right? Like, yeah, Fred got it in this one, but... And it does end up that Pascal often doesn't get them because he demands so much attention in these late game situations that he's often having to pass out. Otherwise, it's going to be a silly shot that he's put up, and then people will complain about that. And it's, to me, a real, real nice luxury to have that when Siakam sees two to the ball or three to the ball in these late game situations, he's A, able to make the reads, and B, he's passing to one of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Roji Ananobi, all of whom have made big clutch late game shots this season. Like, it's how things are supposed to work, honestly, I think. And so I have no problem with the way they're running things late in games i did have a problem with uh og getting blocked into the <laughs> into the sea by Jokic. not that og did anything necessarily wrong there was no time on the clock he went up but this is just my segue into talking about og's game how about that uh he played 37 minutes on saturday nine points four five boards four assists four of 16 shooting one of five from downtown i think it's safe to say that you get 
a slightly better version of OG, and the Raptors probably win this game. Uh, what were your thoughts on OG, you know, having a down performance? You know, it, it's his first in a while. He's been really good in his role of late. Uh, any concern there, or the, you know, any sort of troubling signs you saw in this one, or was this just a bad shooting night that, you know, ended up costing them? Yeah, I think I think it's just an off night, right? Like he's been playing really well. The team's been playing really well, so it sucks that it comes uh, in this game where you're trying to keep that win streak going against uh, a, a solid team. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, there's no level of concern whatsoever. I think OG's been really good of late. You look at you know the few games he needed coming off the, the hip injury uh and the COVID isolation i think he's definitely back in a groove and so these bound uh, these nights are bound to happen uh, mm-hmm. over the course of an 82 game season and it just is what it is so uh you know the other thing that continues to get exposed is uh you have fred uh gary and og as your dependable volume three-point shooters right yeah and if one of them is not going it's tough and if two of them are are not going then it's really really tough and mm-hmm. so when gary and og are combined two for ten from three that that makes uh the challenge that much more uh steep and so the fact that uh pascal was able to do what he did all night and fred uh, alongside him uh to keep it close and give them a chance to win speaks to where this team is at right now yeah, I mean, this goes to what I was talking about after the Rockets game last week, where they didn't play a very good game, but because they now have a bit of a margin for error because of how well Pascal is playing and how you know cohesive that starting five has been, like there is a little bit more cushion for things to go wrong and still have a chance to win. And I think earlier this season, if you have a two of ten combined night from Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, you're not within sniffing distance of the Nuggets. It's not even close. And the fact that you have a guy like Siakam who's raising your level as a team this to this degree, and you get a great performance from Fred as well, and you got some pretty decent contributions. Nothing crazy high production wise, but some good contributions off the bench, like. That helps to minimize that, mar- or sorry, expand that margin for error to the point where you can have not your best game and still be one point off of beating the Nuggets. So yeah, overall, it's a bummer they lost, and I think the sort of specter of the Celtics never losing games ever again, and the you know the race for the sixth seed is maybe kind of clouding the you know it should just be happiness right they've won eight of their last nine like it makes it feel like it's a bit more of a gut punch when you lose a game like that but overall the margin for error being expanded i think is kind of the biggest story with this team right now and it was on display once again in that nuggets game um another guy who helped sort of carry things along as there were some struggling performances from og and gary trent is our due to the game we're going to get to him in just one second here uh and we will round out the show before we do that i want to tell you better pals over at bet online and football season might be over now that the big game was done last night but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from the latest odds, totals, play performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spots for, spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news all season long. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, 
right to your favorite Olympic coverage and information as well. Plus, uh, baseball eventually will be back. Maybe we'll see. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, put some money down on those futures bets and whatnot too for your wonderful Toronto Blue Jays, for example. Head to the website today or use your mobile device and sign up. Or sorry, and learn more about the trends and action over at Bet Online. It is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out your first listen of the day with Big V here, and we move into the dude of the game, the segment where we honor someone who did the stuff in the cracks, the, the grout fillers, if you will. Uh, you know, there's tying all that ceramic tile together with their dude-esque performances. And today's dude of the game is Scotty Barnes, who on Saturday night, 17 points, five boards, one assist, three steals, seven to 14 shooting. And boy, oh boy, uh, he made the people who were thirsty for Rashawn Holmes floaters uh, eat their words because who needs Rashawn Holmes doing floaters when you can have literally Scotty Barnes doing the same thing on top of all the other wonderful things he does. I uh, thought this was a really, really good Scotty game. What were your impressions of the work he did as a sort of outlet to aid in the scoring effort when Pascal and Fred saw extra attention. I really liked that when he had opportunities to go uh, right at Jokic, he did take them. And yeah. I think that's something that, uh, you know, regardless of the opponent, uh, regardless of who he's going up against, I want to see him do right. Like yeah. he's proven if he can go right through Nikola Vucevic and, uh, you know, body Jokic a little bit, at least enough to get his shot off, then he should be able to do that against anyone, right? And mm -hmm. I think uh, we're still, you know, it, it's part of, you know, his growth process to get to that point where he's got enough nastiness in him to say, I'm going to do this every single time if, <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if the matchup is there. And so... I think uh, that's the part uh, of his game I really like uh, in in and around the paint. And mm -hmm. yeah, you needed that complimentary piece, like you said, when uh, Gary and OG aren't firing. And so yeah. uh, his offense was really important in this one. And, you know, on the bright side, you will say, wow, maybe, you know, he kind of waits and sees who, who's going and who's not. When he sees that, you know, the team... Uh, is looking for him to sort of move up that pecking order and be that third guy or some nights that second guy like hey he's he's he is trying to do it for sure yeah man it's uh it just seems like every situation you throw him in he is finding a way to succeed in it right and like right now he's basically playing center uh most of the time when he's on the floor and this is, you know, less than a year removed from him playing backup point guard in college. And he's just learned the role. And yeah, it's not perfect all the time. The defensive rotations are not there. He's not that backline guy that you always want. But man, like the way I think he's filled in as a center offensively has been really, really encouraging. And then it's just augmented by these random little ISOs he'll run. You know, they'll do this two, three, four times a game, depending on the matchup. And it's just like, all right, Scotty, go to work. And then he usually does. And he usually scores over someone tall. Jokic being the guy, the victim in this one a couple times. Like, 
we I, I'm just blown away by just how like enormous he looks in comparison with the most enormous guys in the league and I'm sitting here like what like why did anyone ever think they needed a center like he's just he's enormous he is a center he's playing like a center right now let him keep on cooking and, and like he's just gonna have this sort of repertoire you would think as he continues to level up years you know in two years three years from now like as he expands his perimeter oriented game having this like set of reps where he's kind of been thrust into this role as a center it's kind of like the inverse remember back when the wolves had zach levine and they had they had to play him at point guard for a while and you know it didn't go super well it was you know there was up and down and there you know you would have big games and rough games but he just kind of learned that on ball duty and that's obviously served him well in his process of becoming this lead guard for the bulls you know this is kind of like that with barnes playing center like he's not going to be a center primarily you would think throughout his career but getting him these reps in his rookie season in that spot where he's filling in the gaps, he's seeping into space and, you know, working as a cutter off of guys, mirroring ball handlers and, and putting up those floaters and finishing around the basket, like that can only mean good things for his overall game, you know, as he grows into a more mature, all-encompassing player. It's just really, really exciting stuff to Steve, man. And I think he was really, really awesome in this game against the Nuggets and had uh they pulled this one out i, I you know I, I think he would have been one of the bigger reasons why you know in addition to pascal and fred of course for their work they did um any last lingering thoughts here man you know you got the eastern conference race heating up the celtics never lose you've got the, the the nuggets are really interesting and might be getting jamal murray and michael porter jr back i uh put some money down when that news first came out last week i hopped immediately to bet online and put down uh 25 bucks on the nuggets to win at 40 to 1 before that news or when that news drops. So I'm going to win a lot of money if the Nuggets win the title. Um, but any, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good about that, honestly, after watching that game and seeing Jokic in the flesh again. Um, but yeah, any last lingering thoughts here before we round out this show? Well, with regards to your bet, uh, I will say I was there at the game and uh, pregame, Jamal went through a pretty intense uh, individual workout and, mm -hmm. uh, I thought, you know, he looked pretty good. Uh, he was he was getting pretty damn close to doing the Kitchener shuffle, uh, and so, <laughs> uh, and and you know, even long after, you know how it is pregame, like everyone gets through sort of their scheduled times, and then they're all back in the locker room. Jamal was there for a while longer, and he was kind of going. He had one uh, Nuggets assistant on one end of the court, another Nuggets assistant on the other end of the court, and he was just going back and forth. Uh, you know, up and down, uh, trying to attack. And so, uh, it was really good to see, cause obviously we all want to see him playing basketball mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, those title chances definitely go up if he's on the court. The last thing I will just kind of throw in when you were talking about Scotty and you made this Zach Levine example, I'll throw mm -hmm. one that hits closer to home is, sure. uh, you know, those reps that Pascal was getting at point last season. And yeah, yeah. You, you're kind of looking at some of those awkward moments and saying, uh, you know, maybe this isn't something for him. And now you look yeah. at him, uh, those reps have obviously helped him. And so, uh, you know, obviously that's at the point, but, uh, you know, the same uh, sort of basic principles can be applied to the reps that Scotty is getting at center. Yeah, totally. I mean, you, uh, <laughs> it turns out when you are playing point guard and your outlets are Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, and Fred Van Vliet, it's a little easier than it is when it's uh, DeAndre Bembry and Stanley Johnson. So uh, <laughs> he got reps in the toughest possible conditions, just like wearing the, 
like what is it when you train in like water when you're going to space to like build up your resistance to weightlessness like that's kind yeah. of the the deal that siaka was going through last year um but yeah that's gonna round out today's episode of the podcast thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back again tomorrow i'm gonna go solo to break down the game against the pelicans tonight that should be fun and then on wednesday james herbert's gonna stop by the podcast and we are going to handicap the race in the eastern conference for the sixth seed the celtics continue to win the nets continue to lose the raptors continue to be very very good as well we're going to break down you know who's got the inside track at the sixth seed who should teams be fearful of the most we will get to that on wednesday with our pal james herbert from cbssports.com and then the rest of the week i have yet to plan so we'll figure that out as we go uh but until then big v anything you want to promote for the good people out there just the usual stuff uh raptors.com cbc sports complex canada um i did uh little profile recently on Gordon Rowe, who's one of the finalists for the OVO uh, creators program. And so if you want to go check that out, he was featured, his art was featured uh, during the Nuggets game. And so if you want to check that out, you can head to raptors.com. Awesome stuff. Uh, as always, man, thanks for being here. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, review, tell a friend, etc. wherever you get your podcasts and all your favorite podcast platforms. And go to YouTube, hit that big red subscribe button. It really, really helps. It makes me feel good inside. So why wouldn't you go do it? Uh, then what else we got? Oh, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NHL as uh, over on that podcast right now, in addition to covering the goings on in the actual NHL throughout the Olympics, the Olympics are being covered every single day with a show we're calling Olympic Hockey Daily. Rachel Donner and Ann Kimmel carrying you through, covering the women's and men's tournaments in just a wonderful, comprehensive way. Really no one covering these tournaments as in-depth in audio form as Rachel and Ann are right now. So go make sure you listen to Olympic Hockey Daily if you're interested. You've got the uh, men, the, the women's gold medal game coming up this week, uh, Canada-US on a collision course. That is going to be a ton of fun, and it will be fully previewed and recapped over at Olympic Hockey Daily. The men's tournament, of course, being covered as well, but the women's tournament is the, the star of the show. Come on, that, that, that Canada-USA game is going to be amazing. So go and check that out to get prepped and we will talk to you very soon tomorrow in fact with another episode of locked on raptors bye bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today.